Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace. Okay, I've been under um, a lot of ministrations lately. Even um, on Monday, I was still in one, and I've listened to a lot of people teach um, the Word. I've listened to people teach the Gospel. I've, lis- I've listened to people teach um, grace. I've listened to senior advocates teach the law. I have listened to very powerful DJs that mix law and grace together. I've seen, will I call them uh, misdirected teachers that start in grace, end up in the law. I've seen, I've seen a lot. And it started, I started thinking that it's not even about the people teaching this time around uh, is that that's that that's what they are called to whatever it wasn't about them so i started thinking more about the people listening because i see people who i feel or people who i expect to understand the gospel and those are the ones that make the noise the most and i'm like what's happening like with you know, people you expect that, oh, these ones are grounded, that these ones, the Henry's, the... I'm not making Henry an example. I'm just saying you see people like people who you know. They, 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 you feel they know. And then you, you see that they're the ones who are nodding their head to nonsense. Like, hmm, yeah. And they're and they taking it all in. So those were the ones I was even worried about. Like, I, you, should, you should know these things. And it took me to... Um, Second Corinthians eleven verse three. That's second of first Corinthians eleven verse three, where it says that um, for I fear lest um, I fear just as the um, serpent beguiled Eve, that you also may be corrupted by the simplicity that is in Christ. I'd be like, it's, it's this thing is simple, yeah. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so some say by his subtlety, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Is this message is very simple to understand. So when I see people who hear even a more difficult thing and they are nodding their head and shouting, I'd be like, What's the what's the problem? It's not about the teachers. Even you listening should be able to decide what is right and what, what is wrong. You have the Bible for yourself, read it and those are those are the people I was more um, concerned about. And it started me thinking. And then when um, the senior pastor told me I was going to do a teaching today, I said, I'm not going to go and look for um, untold Rema yet. I'll just talk about simple. What, from my interpretation, what I think the gospel is, what I feel the gospel is. I'll just say it from my own interpretation. And I know sometimes you still wonder, am I going to, am I saying the right thing? Is this what I'm supposed to say? But bless God, from the prayers by Henry and even Pastor Sass, he just confirmed what I had in, what I had in mind, who we have become in Christ, what Christ has done for us, who we have become in Christ. And I said, yes, that's it. I'm going to just, from my own understanding, what I think the gospel is. So we'll start our teaching today from 1 Corinthians 15. Let's read from verse 1. First Corinthians 15, we'll start from verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you stand. Verse 2. 
by which also you are saved if you hold fast to that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain 3 we'll be reading to verse 4 for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received that Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures let's wait let's let's hold it here it says for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received so before he started teaching them about anything else this was the first thing he told them first of all this is the most important thing that Christ died for your sins according to the scripture that's the beginning of the gospel that that is the foundation that is the beginning of the gospel he says for I delivered unto you first of all that, first of all first and foremost the thing I told you when I was talking about the teaching I referred to in verse 1 is that Christ died for your sins see that is it that's just that's that's just what the gospel is that first of all Christ died for your sins there is no other foundation there's no other thing you can teach if it doesn't find its way back to this that Christ died for your sins then you are you are teaching nonsense that's that that's just it Christ died for our sins if if anybody tells you anything else you have the right to reject it that is not that is not the gospel first of all i deliver to you that which i received that christ died for your sins that is the very foundation that is the only thing a believer has to understand that's the only thing a christian has to understand that christ died for my sins and that's the foundation first corinthians 3:11 no other foundation can be laid than that which has already been laid which is christ christ died for my sins it wasn't and I was talking to one of my friends who um, he calls himself an evangelical archer. We all know him recently. And I said, even if you are preaching to someone and you are not talking about Christ died for your sins, rather you are talking, for, you are talking about his sins, you are not teaching the gospel. It should be more about what Christ has done. So if you are ministering to someone, it's not about um, if you, you, the soul that sinned shall die for the wages of sin is death. The first thing you should tell the person is Christ died for your sins. That, that is the foundation. And that's where we are going to start from the very beginning. Christ died for your sins. If you go back to um, 15, it says, died for your sins according to scripture it was already predetermined that christ would die i said there's a difference imagine i finish this teaching and i just say um if you want to give your life to razak raise up your hand and come out no who is who is razak nobody knows who he is and that's why when you are trying to convert somebody and you are not telling him about christ i wonder how you end up saying give your life to christ so that's the very beginning Christ died for your sins. It's not about what he what he did. It's about what Christ did. Christ died for your sins. So you cannot just say, "Oh, the wages of the who the wages of sin is death." If you don't if you don't do this, if you don't do that, you are going to hell. You are on the highway to hell. Blah 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 blah. And at the end of the day, you now tell the person, "Give your life to Christ." Why? When you have not even told me about who the person who the person is. So that's the beginning. Christ died for your sins, and it's according to Scripture. There's a difference between when you say. Um, someone uh, became became our savior. Christ was born our savior. He, there's a difference when you say this person was born to do this or this person was born for this. It's, there's a very big difference. Christ was born your savior. He didn't become your savior. He didn't, uh, first of all, he was born, they went to primary school, they went to secondary school, then he went to uni, he studied business admin, then he did IT, and then he went for one convention, and then he found out that, oh, my purpose is to die. No. 
he was born a savior he was born a king that, that was his mission and I, I came across a very funny um, scripture it was my memory verse a long time ago I, I didn't even know the verse now but it says I'm just remembering now actually it says foxes have holes, bed of the hair have nests but son of man has nowhere to lay his head he didn't have a household that's what that thing means so he didn't come to live a life of luxury. I was watching a documentary recently about um, Prince William and Harry that Prince William was born a king. So from his, even his food is the food that will make him a king. Even his education is everything. And um, William had more attention than Harry because Harry, no matter what, yeah, he was born to Charles, but he will never be a king. But Charles on his own, I mean, um, William on his own, was born a king. So even if he decides to go to um, uni and read Bizadmin, he's still a king. If he decides to do whatever, he is still a king. You can't take that away from him. And that's how it was with Jesus. He was born a savior. That's um, John said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That was what he was born for, to take away the sins of the world. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh. It's the same thing with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in him. Believeth, the Greek word interpretation there is whosoever keeps believing in him. So when you hear that, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God that will keep taking away the sins of the world. That was what he was born for. That is it. Hallelujah. And he says according to scripture. It didn't just happen by chance. It didn't just happen by opportunity. He was born to do this. He was born to die. He was born for, he was born to suffer. He was born to take, to die for our sins according to scripture. That takes us to Isaiah 53. We'll read from verse 4. It already went ahead of him. Surely he, was, he has borne our griefs. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. What this one is saying here, that when all these things was happening to him, he said, yes, it was God doing this thing. This is what he deserved. That we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Verse, uh, we'll read to verse 10. But he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He came to die for our sins. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep, everywhere I see sheep now, it makes me laugh. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was stricken. So I'll read verse 8 again. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there deceit in his mouth. After reading all of that, this is what caught my attention. Verse 10, he says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. All that that was happening to him, it pleased God. God was happy that he was going through these things. God was happy he was going through these things because of you, 
because of what you will become. God was more concerned about the finished product. He wasn't concerned about what was happening to him. It was because of you that he went through all these things. Which, what manner of, how can you explain any other kind of love? There are some times that, um, for those of you in relationships, um, there are some times that you are doing something. It goes against everything you believe. It's hurting you, it's affecting you, but you do it because of the love you have for this person. It's the same, it's the same thing. He wasn't concerned about the pain. He wasn't concerned about the trials he would go through. But he was more concerned about what you would become. He was more concerned about the finished product. He was more concerned about his workmanship. Ephesians 2.10. He says, for we are his workmanship. Workmanship, the Greek word there, poema, is we have become his masterpiece, his work of art. That, is, that was what God was looking at when he was already determining that Jesus would die for our sins. Are we following? Hallelujah. And you ask and I'll ask the question that if you are this is this is more like a guide if you're ministering to someone. You know, okay, why did Jesus Christ die for your sins? Isaiah fifty nine verse two. If anyone is there he can read. You can ask yourself the question if you say if we from our first text we say Jesus Christ died for our sins. Why didn't why didn't he die for our poverty so that we can always be rich? Why didn't he die for our ugliness so we can always be fine? Why didn't he die for something else? Why did he die for our sins? That's the answer in um, Isaiah 59 verse 2. Why did he die for our sins? Ephesians 2 verse 2 says, While we were yet dead in our trespasses and sins. Christ died for our sins because that was what separated us from God. He said God was no longer listening to you. Like only relates with like. A spirit relates with a spirit relates with spirit, but because we were dead, it's just the same way a dead person cannot will himself back to life. That was how we were. We were caught. We were spiritually dead. That was what it was. And why? Because of our sins. God was not hearing us, and that's why Jesus had to die for nothing else but for our sins, so that we can have that relationship with God. Hallelujah. Because of that, because of that relationship, and it's. It's something that, if you really think about it, you should really be appreciating what Christ did for us. Because no, you, you couldn't do it by yourself. He had to come to die for you. That's the reason he was born. That's why he came to die that death that you couldn't die. And it's when he was there on the, when he was there on the cross. Most people say that there's a difference between. Um, believing in God, there's a difference between salvation and making heaven. You, you believe in Christ, you are saved. But then you have to do and keep so, so, and so to make heaven. That's wrong. When Jesus Christ was on the cross, I was thinking about this recently and I said that when Jesus Christ was there on the cross, he was on the cross in your name. So when God was looking at Christ on the cross, he was seeing you paying the price. He was seeing you fulfilling the requirements of the law. While Jesus was there on the cross, he went to the cross in your name. He went to the grave in your name. But when he resurrected, he gave you his own name. Hallelujah. He gave you his own name. So, now, when Jesus, was, when Jesus Christ was on the cross, God was looking at him on the cross. God was seeing you. But now, when, when God is looking at you, he sees Christ. Because you were there with Christ, paying the price. And now, Christ is your representative in heaven. Are we following? Christ is our representative in heaven. And so just the same, I was very interesting story. I was in a cab today and then 
I told the guy I was coming to um, Nikon Luxury, and he says, ah, um, ah, that place, money, this one down. And I said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to church you. And he said, ah, okay, no wonder he saw from the way I dressed that uh, this one will be a pastor. And then now you have already said this one will be a pastor. And then you pick up the phone. I just left the house, and then he told the woman, ah, I'm in Jabi now. I'm on my way to come and pick you. I said, okay, and we're going. And then we passed um, Sheraton coming down. And the woman and he, the woman called him again. And I said, ah, madam, I did Jabi upstairs. Road safety, don't catch me for there. Yeah, and the car with the pastor. This is somebody before that. I told him I was going to church. He said, oh, yes, blah, 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 blah. And we continued. And he said, ah, road safety, hold me for where I did. That um, he was now talking to me and saying, oh, God, I beg now, let me go. And I'm like, he, continu- he continued like that. And then I was watching how this will, I was watching how this will end. And then he goes, um, oh, God, I beg now, let me go. Oh, God, I beg, let me go. I kept quiet. I was look, doing what I was doing. And then he gave me the phone to talk to the woman. And I just said, don't worry, madam. He's just taking me to Nikon Luxury. He will soon be back. And then the guy just quickly packed out. Oh, wait to be this one. I wait to be this one. I said, ah, but you just told me now that I'm a pastor, Abby. So this thing, you expect me to now lie for you. How? How? And I say, oh, okay, that, uh, you see, this is, the, this is the problem. After all, we say we are, we are preaching grace, blah, blah, blah. I say, very good. Very good. I said that, Second Corinthians 5.21, you are the righteousness of Christ. He said, yes. I said, okay, very good. That so is Christ more righteous than you. He said, no. That I am his righteousness. I said, okay. I said, okay. The amount of righteousness Christ has, can you make him lie? He said, no. And I said, I am the righteousness of Christ, so why will I lie? If we have the same righteousness, if I have the same righteousness with Christ, and Christ cannot lie, so why should I lie? Now I said, oh, but God, you don't spoil for just corporate smile. I said, I said it's not, if I am conscious of the fact that I am the righteousness of Christ, and that is why I am conscious of the fact that I no longer live in sin. That's why I'm conscious of the fact that I cannot lie. So, okay, even if you give me the phone now to talk to this woman again, I will still say the same thing because I am the righteousness of Christ. The guy dropped me on the road, though. He didn't bring me to Nikon. <laughs> the guy dropped. The guy dropped me on the road. Hallelujah. But that 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 is what that is what it is. That is what it is. We because of the sacrifice of jesus christ on the cross because of the fact that he went to the cross in our name jesus went on the cross he went to the cross in our name when jesus when god was looking at him there on the cross all his judgment was expended on him it was expended on us because we were included with him there in the cross but now he has given him a name that is above every other name and that is the name he has given us so now god doesn't look at us as us look when he sees when he looks at us he sees christ hallelujah christ has paid the price because that is what he came to do he came to die for our sins hallelujah and i said he has given him a name that is above every other name this took me back to the, my last teaching when i was taking on when i was teaching on psalm 23 psalm 23 and then he says he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake we are the righteousness of Christ. Our salvation, we are not the custodians of our salvation. Let me start from there. Christ is the custodian of our salvation. It's about him. It's about what he did. 
and said he has given him a name that is above every other name. He says Christ is able to save us to the uttermost. So when he says he will lead you in the path of righteousness for his name's sake, it's because his name is at stake. Do you get it? It's because his name is at stake. If the name of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus is meant to save you to the uttermost. So that is why he will not leave your righteous living in your own hands because his name is at stake. Are we, are we following? You couldn't, you couldn't do what Jesus Christ did. So why will he now allow you live um, a careless kind of life without him guiding you? That is why it rests on him to lead you in that path. That is why he's the one walking in you both to will and to do. He can't leave it to you. So why would you think what you are doing will maintain, is what will maintain your salvation? Why, why do you think that? If, if what you are doing is what is going to maintain your salvation, then maybe he will have said for God to love the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him and does blah, 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 blah. The moment you believe in Christ, the moment you have that belief in Christ, that is the moment you attain eternal life. So those who tell you that you can be saved, then you do this and then you get salvation. When does the eternal life start? When I start believing. Where is the eternal life? Is it not in heaven? So why would you say, I have to do, 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 do this before I get to heaven? If the moment where I believe, it says, I have eternal life. I don't need, you don't need to do anything else because you are not the custodian of your salvation. Walk at your own salvation with fear and, with fear and trembling. But even at that, it is him that is walking in you, both to will and to do. Of his good pleasure. So, as believers, as new creations, the responsibility is no longer on us. The responsibility is on Christ. So, Christ will continue to take away the sins of the world. Christ will continue to take away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. He came, to the, he came to die because of that nature of sin. Because of that separation we have from God. And that's why, as he is now... So are we in this world. He is righteous there in heaven. We are his righteousness here. He is our righteousness there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And let's take Hebrews. Oh, this is gone off. Hebrews 7 verse 23. So we've established that he came to die. We've established why he died. Now, what is he doing? His coming was for our sake. His death was for our sake. And now, in heaven... He's still there for our sake. Let's go to Hebrews 7. I would would read that. Okay, Hebrews 7, I'll read verse 23. It says, And they truly were many priests, because... They were not suffered to continue by reason of death. Now Jesus Christ is, let me explain, Jesus Christ is our high priest now. And before, there had to be many priests because the priest then will die. So there's another priest that will come and continue. If, I try to imagine if there was no peace to make sacrifices and atonement, their sin will remain there until they have another priest. And it says, but this man, because he continued forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is also able to save them to the uttermost 
that come to God by him. I said he, he will save us to the uttermost because his name is at stake. He cannot risk his name just like that. Christ has given, God has given a name that is above every other name. So Jesus Christ cannot fall his own hand. He will save you to the uttermost for his name's sake. He will continue to lead you in that part of, part of righteousness for his name's sake. He's able to save us to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He ever liveth, like I explained before, when liveth, he continues to live to make intercessions for them. Intercession and praying is not the same thing. If you're, you might be praying and you're seeking the face of God, but if you're interceding for someone, you're standing in the gap for that person. When the, the person you're interceding with sees you, not that person. So Christ, that's why I said when God looks at us now, he sees Christ because Christ is there in his presence interceding for us. And he says he li- it's because he lives forever. It's because he will continue to live. That's why he will, that's why he will continue to have that salvation. That's why he continue to make that intercession for our salvation. So the only way Christ will not save you to the uttermost if, if Jesus Christ dies. But he cannot die. So he will, as long as he continues to live forever, as long as he will always continue to make that intercession for us, our salvation is assured. Until the day Jesus Christ dies. Aha! then you know that now my salvation is shaking. But can Jesus Christ die? No, he cannot die. He lives forever to make intercession for us. Are we understanding? It's simple, it's simple, Abi. But if there's anybody that doesn't understand this, if you are, if you are not understanding. <laughs> it's, so, it's when the Bible says, lest I fear, Somebody takes your mind is corrupted from the simplicity. It's a very simple thing. Jesus Christ came to die for your sins. And he will continue to intercede for you so that you will continue to have that salvation. So you continue to live, um, you will continue to come boldly before the throne of grace because of what he has done. Not because of what you might be able to do. Hallelujah. Now let's look at um, let's look at um, Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 and 10 hallelujah it says to walk for his good pleasure so if leading you in the path of righteousness if you find yourself doing something that is not for his pleasure you need to, you need to check yourself hallelujah do you understand what I'm saying because he, he is leading you in the path of righteousness. The fruit of that leading should show. And the fruit of that living, it should be fruits that are pleasing to God. Do, you, do we understand that? Yeah. Let's look at um, Philippians, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 2. Okay, um, verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show his, the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, let any man should boast. 
And I, in my thinking, I was saying, why is it that people just tend to, you are listening, you are listening to the teachings of grace, you are listening to the gospel, but then you hear something else and you are the one that is shouting the loudest. And I said, it's because by, by our natural self, we are made that way. Because, and I said, very good example, I'll say it here. Most of us, we know or we have known one or two Yahoo people. And then these people just from phone calls and emails, they make, they make $10,000. They change it, they are millionaires. And then within the space of two, three days, the money is gone. Natural man, the response is, ah, now so it be. Easy come, easy go. Because it's hard to believe that something can come to you that easy. It's hard to believe. So if there's any reason why people generally reject this gospel of grace is because it's actually too good to be true. Because, and that's how we are wired naturally. Um, there was a message, um, there was a message on the web, um, wealth portal today and Pastor do posted a message that if you are ready to work Monday to, fr- uh, Monday to Thursday from social hours to social hours, then on Friday from like 9 to 2, and they get a salary of, um, I think, 250000 Everything attributed to like $1 million per month. And then they ended up saying that, I beg, if you see that kind of work, I am looking for the same thing. Because it's just hard to believe that I will work for just 2-3 hours, 4 hours in a day. And at the end of the month, I'll be making like 10-11 million. So, by nature... We generally reject things as simple as that. And that's why sometimes you see some people in some very difficult relationships, but they are still there because they will tell you nothing good comes easy. Yes, but that's the truth. That's the truth. People, if I have, I have met a true story, I've met someone who understands sincerely, she understands this gospel of grace, but she tells you that she doesn't like to look at God that way because she might misbehave. So she would prefer to see him as the iron-handed God. If I do this, it's because it will, and that is why she cannot date someone her age. That's why she wants to date someone older who can scold her, who can, who can do that. And that, that by nature, seriously, by nature, that is how we are. We prefer to go through the hard way. And that's why when you tell people, people natural, people enjoy this message of grace. They can, they can go out and say, man, this man, these people are preaching nonsense. But when they say, um, it's not, it's not about, it's not about, um, you that died. It's about him that died. Woo! They just shout and say, man, that, that, that phrase is very catchy. If they say something very, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm just talking now because Pastor has a lot of this deep rema. You just hear one that will scatter your head. You just have to shout. You might not understand it too. You might not understand it, but it's so, it's so sweet. It's so nice that, you just have to, you just have to shout. It's not about the, it's not about, uh, what happened on the cross. It's about what happened behind the cross. I'm like, oh my God, that's so very interesting. But where is the application of that, these things you are hearing? Where is the application? That is where the problem is. That is where the problem is. Because when, um, I love, how many of us enjoy when Pastor Ideal prays? Amazing. Amazing. And it tells you that we have all sufficiency. We have all things. And you are there firing. But you leave church and then you don't have transport money home. I say, what kind of life is this? It's the application that is the problem. So if you hear people being swayed away by this gospel, it's because the application is, they have the understanding. But they will rather prefer when somebody tells them that, um... You have been saved, but you have, but there are shackles you need to get loose. That's the one they want. That's the one they want to pray for. That's shackles. They don't understand that he has paid everything. 
No, see, it's, it's, honestly, it's, very, it's funny, but that is the application that is missing. So it's not just about um, evangelizing. It's not just about teaching this gospel. But you also need to help these people to apply these things. You see, uh, we take out a month to teach. That's why I really enjoyed. Let's celebrate Pastor Chibuzo for last week, Wednesday. That's why I really, I really enjoyed that teaching because it comes to the application. Superior realities is not just enough to know, but apply these things in your thoughts, apply these things in your actions. If you realize that Jesus Christ has paid the price, there is no other price to be paid. And why do you feel I have to I have to continue doing this thing? You hear some people tell you that yes, you have been saved, but you have to attend GLT, you have to attend LIT, you have to come to church by three. If not, your salvation is questionable. Is it it's not is it's not possible? Where where was GLT when Jesus was dying? Where where was it? Why didn't he include GLT in the in, in the sacrifice? So what no, it's 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 truly from the simplicity that is in Christ, from this simple thing that Jesus Christ came he died he died in your name he rose up and he gave you his name it's, it's very simple and because of that name we have come into a new reality because of that name we have come into a new dimension Because of if there's anything that is going to break you in this new reality that thing is bigger than the name of God and that that is not is it can it can never be possible it can never be possible so if you say that i'm experiencing this thing because of this sin but because of this thing i'm doing that means that thing you are doing is greater than the name of god the name of god is the name of god the name of christ that we have come into is more powerful than anything that is happening to you presently that at the mention of that name every knee will bow so if if poverty doesn't bow to you, it's because that poverty is greater than the name of God. And it's not possible. But it's about understanding the reality you have come into. It's about understanding this, this name. It's about understanding this Christ that you are in. Hallelujah. Like, look, you hear people say, God is not angry with you. That's the truth. God is not angry with you. Because while we, you were yet a sinner, the point he should be angry with you. That's when his son died for you. So is it now that you've been translated into his kingdom, he will now be angry with you? How? Because there's one thing you are doing. I don't understand. I don't understand it. Because that while you were yet a sinner, while you had that nature, while it was impossible for you to live right, while you were dead in your trespasses, you were spiritually dead. That was the point that we like read in um, Isaiah 59 too. That was the. This my bald head is. is, 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 is something, something else. Hallelujah. I'm not sweating anywhere else, so just here. <laughs> Hallelujah. At the point where we were separated from God, at that point where God couldn't even hear us. That was when he decided that his son would die. So is it now that the son has died? Is it now that we have become his righteousness? That's when he will now be angry with, with us. It's not, it's not possible. And that's where we need, that's where when we go out, we need to start from. Christ has died for your sins. And because he died, God is no longer angry with you. That, that is it. Any other thing that you hear, 
I give you the, the right to reject it. And because of this sacrifice, that's why Romans 8, 1 says, and therefore there is now no condemnation. So it says there is therefore now. That means before there was condemnation. But there is therefore now no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation. When um, they brought the woman that was committing adultery before Jesus, he said, he who is without sin should cast the first stone. They couldn't do that. And like the senior pastor said, from the, from the eldest one, they started from the big, big sins to the small, small ones. They started living. Why? Because they were with sin. Are you following me? So when the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation, anybody that preaches anything that brings condemnation to you, you have the right to reject it. They had sin, that's why they couldn't stone the woman. If they're without sin, they will have been able to stone the woman. So you have every right to reject everything that brings condemnation because there's no longer condemnation inside of you. Do we follow? And that's why it says that every tongue that arises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Why? Because you are not condemned. Every tongue that arises against you in judgment, it didn't say he will condemn. You have the right to condemn it. Why? Because you are the righteousness of God and because of that, you have no condemnation inside of you. So if you listen to anything that makes you more conscious of your sin than your righteousness, you have the right to reject it. You have the right to condemn that person. So I said, I will say it here today. If anybody is preaching anything in this church, and the person, well, not we don't do it literally, but if anybody is saying anything that brings condemnation, tell the person, will you keep quiet? <laughs> tell the person to shut up. It's nonsense. You, I have no condemnation inside them. So if you are telling me something that wants to make me, I will reject it. Because there is therefore now, in this dispensation, there is no condemnation because I am in Christ Jesus. For those who are in Christ Jesus. And there's no condemnation because every judgment, past, present, future, has been paid by his sacrifice on the cross. We say it here, we say here a lot that when Jesus Christ died, you were not there. So he died for the person that will be born in the future, for the sins that will be um, committed in the future. So why is it difficult for you to believe that Jesus Christ died for your future sins? When you, when, as I, when he died, your, even your birth, not even your sin was future. So why is it difficult for you to believe that Jesus Christ died for the, your sins, past, present, and future? Now, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus is living forever. Because he's living forever, he continues to make intercession for us. He will save us to the uttermost because that is what his intercession has brought us into. And until he dies. Funny thing. When did man fall? Was it when um, Adam ate the fruit, the fruit? There are some teachings that say Adam did not eat anything. But for the sake of this teaching, Let's say Adam ate something. Edit this part I just said now. But did when did man fall? Was it when Eve ate the fruit or when Adam ate the fruit? Adam. So, but who ate the fruit first? So if Eve ate that fruit and he remained there, we would still be enjoying the graces Adam enjoyed, Abby? No, yes, yes, we'll still be enjoying it because it was... We have the first Adam, we have the second Adam. Man didn't fall at that time when Eve ate the fruit because Eve was not the custodian of that dispensation. So it was when Adam ate the fruit 
That was men when man fell. So, in this second dispensation, before you can lose your own salvation, Jesus Christ has to fall. So you can, God is able to save you to the uttermost. Do we understand it? God is able to save you to the uttermost because he can never die. He can never fall. So reject anything that brings condemnation. Do you understand me? Seriously, if you don't take any other thing home, as long as Jesus cannot fall, you can never lose your salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's we are, we, we are, we are, it says that we are partners with God. We are, we are co-workers with God. But even if we fall, because Jesus Christ cannot fall, you cannot lose your salvation. So even in this relationship, it's still about Christ. It's still not about you. Hallelujah. The gospel is very, very simple. If you understand that, I have come into a new reality. I am under a new dispensation because of what Christ has done for me. It's you have everything. It your 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 life becomes more easier, easy to easy to relate with God because you understand that when God sees me, he sees Christ. So as long as Jesus Christ cannot be poor, you should not be poor. As long as Jesus Christ cannot be sick, you cannot be sick. Hallelujah. So don't, don't, don't ever pray and say, but God is seeing me in this my state. He's seeing Christ. So it's up to you to measure up. It's up to you to measure up to that righteousness. It's just like saying, this is, Omar is the wife to Pastor Ideal. You are, there is no, there cannot be any other wife. Omar is the wife. Hallelujah. So when he says that you are the righteousness, there can never be another righteousness except that righteousness of Christ. So whatever you try to do, your righteousness cannot be like the righteousness of Christ. So forget about what you can do. Because your righteousness cannot measure up to the righteousness of Christ. Hallelujah. You are the righteousness. You are the righteousness. If you have that consciousness and you can apply that, I am the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of Christ cannot sin. The righteousness of Christ cannot lie. The righteousness, do you understand me? It's very simple. It's very simple. So if they are telling you that there is one um, charm that is buried somewhere in your backyard, in one red cloth, unless you believe that that red cloth or whatever is more powerful than the name of God and the righteousness of God. That's when you believe that that's what is responsible for the situation that you're in. Do you understand me? Very simple. True um, story. I wish Kemas was here. He can bear me witness. A guy bashed his car one day and I said, I will show this guy something. I just carried, he had this rod in his car. I just tied a red um, handkerchief, my red pocket square. I just tied it around it and I said, I will swear for you with this thing. The guy started begging. See, that's how cheap these things are. They, don't, they can't do you nothing. It's just, it's, it's see, if you see a, if you see a calabash, a black calabash under your mother's bed in the village, it is just a black calabash. But if you are, 
this bald head, he says so. It's not, it's not anything. So, honestly, but if your mentality relates with that calabash, you will believe that calabash is stronger. But if you believe you have come into a superior reality, if you see a calabash under your mother's bed, it is just a black calabash under your mother's bed. Your, our grandmothers, they all had black calabash when they were young. And I don't want to go into <laughs> I don't want to go into I met um, somebody recently with Pastor Paul and we were talking together and by the time he started revealing some of the mechanics behind all these uh, signs and wonders, you won't even look for signs and wonders. I'm telling I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you, do you know why? Because even you yourself, you are a sign and you are a wonder. Because of because you have become a new creation. Just let me just say this um, short one. The guy said, "You'll be surprised that some of these things that they find one something tied somewhere, they actually work with some people's neighbors just to go and put some of these things here. There are some of them they work with um, people's banks and they tell you that they have people in the bank that call them that ah, this person that goes to your church, he came to apply for this loan. Then the pastor will come on Sunday. There's somebody here that wants to have a contract. He said, oh my God, that is for me. That is for me. You see, don't be looking for these things. Look at Christ only. Don't be looking for, don't be looking for, for, for Rema. For, don't stop that thing. I'm going to, ah, this, 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 this. Is the, is is a is a very thin line because yeah you should come to you should come to church with expectation but you should, expectation should not be the reason why you are coming to church Christ should be the reason why you are coming to church there is no other thing that that um, pastor whatever can tell you that hasn't already been said about you in the word of God so it shouldn't be the reason why you come to church the reason why you should come to church is Christ because like I said he is the foundation. So anything, if the, exp- if the word you want to hear is not finding its basis in Christ, then they are, they, they are, you are wasting your time coming to church. You should be coming to church not because you want to hear from the, 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 just from the word of the past. You should be coming to hear because of what Christ wants to say through that man. Not because of what he has to say. Hallelujah. You should come to church because of the Christ you want to hear from that person. So when you hear anything that is not Christ, when you hear something that doesn't have its foundation, if you are preaching prosperity, preach Christ in prosperity. If you are preaching health, preach Christ in health. If you are if you are preaching suffering, preach Christ in suffering. No matter what you are preaching, the foundation is Christ. It cannot be built on any other foundation. So if you are ministry, if you are trying to convert someone and you don't start from Jesus Christ died for your sins. You have not started. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want us to rise up, rise up on our feet and thank God for this reality. Thank God for his sacrifice. Thank God for the fact that there is therefore now no condemnation. There is nothing negative anybody that can say about you. The Bible already says a cost that is costless shall not come. So if Jesus Christ can't be cost, you cannot be cost. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.